Hello folks, welcome back to Viewers from the 405, episode 11. Wow, 11, well into double figures 11, now. the Ryan Giggs number. Ah, it is. Wanna, I forgot what other famous number 11s do we have? Mesut Ozil, of course. Obviously. Obviously. The only number 11 you need to think about these days, as far as I'm concerned. Unless it's like another Tom Waits album or something like that. I mean, what's the Tom Waits number 11 album? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, he's he's the first uh, genetically good singer-songwriter that came to my head. That's had like the releases an album every two months or whatever. It is. I don't think Tom Waits has had one for a while though. But he used to. No. He had a well, he had one in 2011. If we were talking about that one, which was uh, "Dogs Come Find Me" or something. No, "Bad as Me." That's, I think it was called. Me. I don't know why "Dogs Come Find Me." That's like "Dogs Dog. Come Find Me." That that's a good Tom album Waits. though. It's like. You can, you can, you can have that one for free. Um, yeah, welcome back. Uh, we're very belatedly doing our April one. We've had us. We've tried to do organise this three or four times, but yeah. uh, always like um, random stuffs come up. Um, the last one because um, of the the news about frightened rabbit Scott Hutchison, um, we didn't feel either of us could properly talk about Adam um, and new music when that news broke um, and m- moving on I, I, I don't know what don't want to say much else on that yeah, um, but we will talk about new music now yeah we will which is always a great he- source of healing it is absolutely and a source of healing and reconstruction or sort of transhumanist reconstruction comes from Janelle Monet with her latest album Dirty Computer wow straight into it you're such a pro these days. No wasting a single second like <coughs> I am now. I'm adding the ounces of fat. <coughs> Radio six. I am. Uh, I am available if you if you need it. Uh, all right, Dirty Computer by Janelle Monae, which is her third album proper, I think. Yeah. First in a long time since the uh, since uh, what was that last one called? The Electric Lady. Which yeah, was two thousand. Was it with the Arch Android? The Arch Android was uh, two thousand ten, yeah. which was her. Big breakthrough album for her first debut album proper. So anyway, this album, Dirty Computer, comes post-Hollywood for Janelle Monae Mm. because she was in two Oscar-nominated movies over the last couple of years, uh, Hidden Figures and um, Moonlight. Have you seen both? Yeah, she's incredible in both of them. Yeah. But Uh, but is it too easy to ascribe Dirty Computer's kind of lacklusterness in comparison to her previous albums to her being distracted by Hollywood is that lazy I think a bit yeah I mean um, um, I think there might be other mitigating factors or it could just be you know everyone has a slightly underwhelming album in them the thing is that the Arch Android and even Electric Lady they were built on these big like concepts they were almost they were sci-fi futuristic uh and they felt very original even though they fused a a lot of old um genres they they kind of held together in this way through her um, magnetic personality and these characters in this world she was creating whereas dirty computer still has a lot of creativity but it still feels more like a generic kind of pop album Mm. lots of big choruses but they're not like kind of big dumb fun choruses which is not what she would have done before she did like quite creative uh imagistic choruses with lots of characters and this one it's all it's a very sexual album it's her first since coming out as gay which is interesting and i think like that has taken the shackles off her a bit to talk about sex a lot on this mm. album most notably with like pink the mm. grime song which is all about pussies and not all about that but like that's a, the central motif of it in a way um the song uh she has a couple of other songs take a bite uh screwed the one with zoe kravitz <laughs> if you screwed it up somehow we'll screw it all back down or yeah. something like that which is actually it sounds dumb but it's actually really fun and infectious but that's exactly the kind of thing i'm talking about like that's not the kind of stupid frivolous lyrics she would have had on her previous albums uh but she's indulged in that here which does work and especially because it's coming out just in time for summer um I don't know. I think this probably will end up being her biggest album to date commercially because of the extra boost of the Hollywood recognition and stuff, uh, and also getting guests like Brian Wilson and Pharrell Williams. Yeah, and it's just a natural ch- trajectory for like um, R and B pop artists that yeah. they they will just like keep 
ascending. Yeah, I do wish that the Grimes feature Pink, which is a really good song. I wish it had been a bit more Grimesy though. Mm. Like I wish she'd let Grimes have a bit stamp a bit more of her character on the production or something. Yeah, but I am curious to see. Well, I think we'll wait and see what Grimes' new album sounds like. Because yeah. like, well, the description the description she had for it was incredibly eclectic, where she was describing a black metal with a versus love song versus like a, a weird. Um, d- the video game Dark Souls inspired club banger and something. So, uh, but I'm curious to see whether Pink is in any way indicative of what Grimes is shifting into. Because, like, who God knows where to what direction she'll go. And yeah, but I hope it's more like what they did together on Grimes' last album. Mm. What's that album called? That song it's a Venus, Venus Fly, Venus Fly yeah, which is amazing. just an a, a godlike song. That's my second favorite on the album. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, back to Janelle. Yeah. Uh, one thing that she does, she kind of has rapped a little bit before on her previous albums, but I think on this one she raps a little bit more like seriously, especially mm. on Django Jane. And yeah, she has yeah. a good flow, and she has like a good kind of balance to the way she delivers her lines. I think she should rap more often. I think that could be a direction for her to go in on the next album a bit more. I don't yeah. Know. Um, and uh, the other weird thing about this album is it's trying to balance the kind of uh, freedom, op- openly expressing yourself thing with also being quite political and mm-hmm. like about civil rights and stuff. And I don't know if it works that well. Uh, um, I, think, I think it, it does what it says so to achieve. My, my issue with it, I think like, it's obviously like a really... Like what the, the idea of as a coming out album crossed over with this pol- the idea of like confronting technology and politics is always incredibly ambitious, but I don't think it necessarily fails in anything it's trying to do. I think it's, it's just I think the music's too derivative for her lyrics to emerge that powerfully or that impactfully. I think it's, it's fair. <laughs> But as as you say, there's they're very like sort of clean choruses. It's fairly like Jack Antonoffy of yeah. an album, and that is you know you 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 can preempt where the songs are going, and there's still there's still plenty of hooks, and it's very catchy and everything. And what she's saying is an, is is interesting, but I think what she's saying and what she I say what okay what she's trying to say is more interesting what the music actually is, and there's a massive disconnect there mm. that sort of. Un, it's the root of the underwhelming, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Well, do you think she will follow be following her music or or acting career more in the next few years? Um, I hope both. Yeah. I hope she does. She goes down the um, like the uh, the childish Gambino route ah, of yes. uh, being ridiculously good at both. Yeah. And let's have a right. Let's have a write her own TV series. I want to see what that looks like. Ooh. All right. Up along, bark your head off, dog. Dog, bark your head off, dog. Dog. Uh, so this is an interesting one. Third album from the Philadelphia band, who kind of got their start in the pop punk scene, or of that. That Philadelphia has a big scene of like scrappy indie rock kind of mm. things, which they came out of. But bark your head off, dog. Sees them trying to depart from that a little bit with. Uh, a lot of arrangements, violins, more folky kind of songs. Not so like there's no riffs on this album, which to me is kind of where it lacks. Because I love mm. like how when you consider Painted Shut from 2015 or 16, yeah, how soon with um, the knock, the opening track, how soon they launch into a riff on that, and how much of a like a fire starter that is for the whole album that comes afterwards whereas this one how simple is a great opening track and it's one of the best songs they've ever done but the fire never really takes hold on this album for me there's a lot of lyrics but i don't know there's not a lot gri- gripping me how about you no yeah i i'm, I'm quite similar that like the, the lyrically is really interesting there's got really interesting characters on there um i think each song is 
distinctive and it has their own qualities which are quite cool which whether that is a individual lyric or a chord change or even a key change because uh, vocally she's really she goes places that she didn't touch before and she her well my uh drinking game my girlfriend um made the point that like she her voice is technically improved whether that makes it as interesting or as powerful i think it's up to the individual listener but from like a technical span uh, uh, technical standpoint she's hitting notes she didn't hit before and she's breathing less and i think i think part for okay so technically it's it's cleaner but i think that removes some of the charm of it and that there's it's like because like we are now in a saturation point with scrappy earnest really yearning indie rock and hop along really personify that movement arguably better than anyone and so much of that was due to her just the like her like out of breathness <laughs> not a word um but uh, <laughs> can be um and when when singing it was just there was it was so invigorating and felt so like of the moment and instinctive that that, that is what powered so much of it and while like the the sharpness of the the chords and the riffs and everything are still there to an extent, and even though as you extend, they're not, they may not as as quite as um, captivating. They're still there. They're still good and catchy, and like the lyrics are really interesting. But as you say, there's just there's just something missing, and I do think a big part of that is the like the intuitive power of her vocals. I don't mm. know why. Yeah, the rawness of yeah. it. The kind of uh, innate kind of scrappiness yeah because this is a very worthy album if you sit down and you read the lyrics along with it and you read the inspirations because francis quinlan is as with a lot of the female rock musicians probably not just rock female musicians females in general in america at the moment are dissatisfied with what's going on uh in politics in general and so the inspiration for bark your head off dog is largely said to be about you know men in power and how they got that power and what we can do against that but that's all kind of lost in the songs which are very wordy but don't um they kind of don't emphasize where the message is there's no big choruses or hooks that will say yes this is what we're trying to say fuck this such and such a person or uh, or uh, fuck yeah women or whatever they're trying to say it's kind of very knotty lyricism um, if you sit down with the lyric sheet and list along with it, I'm sure you'll get loads out of it. Um, yeah, but without that kind of punchiness, they've kind of gone softer while their message is trying to be harder, trying to be more on point, and I don't know if it quite works. But as I said, if you sit down and you listen to the lyrics as you're listening to the album, I think you'll get a lot more out of it. Yeah, I agree. Another band that has a lead singer that's female and politically active is Speedy Ortiz, Speedy Ortiz who have a new album called Twerp Verse. Uh, I got to speak to their singer Sadie Dupuis all about it, um, which was fun because her lyrics are also quite naughty. But I think that whereas the Hop Along album didn't have like the big riffs and stuff to kind of hammer home the points uh, Speedy Ortiz do on Twerp versus they have had on their previous two albums. Um, but they, the songs do need a bit of decoding. Um, when I Before I interviewed Sadie, I asked for the lyric sheet from her PR. And it's the first lyric sheet I've seen. Actually, the second one I've seen is now Arctic Monkeys and you one have done the same. But I saw Sadie's one first where the lyrics aren't written in like verses, they're much written out like prose, they look like short stories. And uh, when I spoke to her, I mentioned that to her and she actually said she was really glad that I got them in that form because that's how she wanted them to be seen. Uh, and she knows that some people kind of break them into verses before they send them to writers. So that was interesting. And I think that says a lot about their kind of sound uh, and how, how intensely, uh, full of ideas and messages their songs are and um 
this is another one that you really do kind of have to sit down with the lyric sheet to get a lot out of. Uh, whereas on their early albums, on Major Arcana, they kind of wrote a lot of big, chorusy, riffy albums. When I spoke to Sadie, she said, "Yeah, we didn't really write riff rock on this album, which was interesting." And there is definitely a lot more nods to her, like Cynthia Poppier side as Sad Thirteen. Um, this is another artist who said that they had to scrap their album after the Trump, uh, the Trump. Uh, election because they wanted to send a message so I asked Sadie about that and she said yeah there's been a bit overblown but there's definitely some songs that were written post Trump that are very angry and there's a lot of songs about consent there's a song called Can I Kiss You which is on the on the on the surface sounds like a romantic song but it's actually a really creepy song about a guy like asking asking a girl what kind of porn she likes or what kind of guys she likes and things like that and her like in a monologue about how much of a creep he is and how much of a problem this is and um there's another song called villain which kind of we spoke about and how it's kind of a, a survivor's account of abuse that she didn't know was abuse at the time and um and then there's a lot of like powerful feminist kind of songs like Alone with the Girls and Moving In and You Hate the Title as well. Um, have you listened to this album much? Um, I've listened to it twice. Um, I do, I, I real as with, always with uh, Dupois, like she, her lyrics are, it's, she is that, that, really, that really salient point between direct and almost like stream of consciousness like there's a lot of them are like very like immediate thoughts but also she has an idea like for a shrewd image or something um she is she's quite she's um well i i made the the point is it's not as expansive as uh, the last album yeah. Um. As that where that one had a lot of like synthesizers yeah. and everything. It was almost like pseudo electronic. Whereas this so one, I think of her solo album. No, 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 no. The last really? one. Oh, oh, oh for, I might, I might be. Uh, it was pretty much rock. I might be thinking of her solo album. Um, but but, but I think yeah. But I like I know it's a, like a fairly anodyne comparison with Waxahachie, who again like she of this we're talking about the scrap heiress indie rock scene. Her and Waxahachie, Katie Crutchfield, they, they've like almost been a mini sort of pioneers yeah. for what we have now. Um, but Waxahachie's album last year, it didn't like change the game much, but it was a consolidation of what she did really well. Yeah. And I feel this is a very similar thing, but this is a spare, not just um, instrumentally, where there's a lot of like quite banging riffs and quite yeah. quite really good drumming. I like the drumming in yeah. it as well. Um, but the, the, the eyes her themes as well like she's one of the most consistently interesting and quite moving lyricists indie rock has and i think this is a yeah this is definitely like a consolidation album as well it's one of those that's very solid and consistent and and obviously that's in music journalism that's now become like a uh almost like um what's the word like uh well so what's the, the a backhanded compliment where you describe a band as consistent um but yeah it's a it's a it's a really solid album yeah i would just say that they spent three weeks with mike mogus of bright eyes mixing this album and i said to her i didn't know mixing could take three weeks but she was like neither did i but that's how thorough mogus is so this is another one not just for the lyrics but for the actual sonics and the the amount of layers of sound they have in there is worth sitting down and, and investing yourself in if you are so inclined Nice one. So uh, next we have Daniel Avery with Songs for Alpha. Yeah, this is another one we did our, our classic double team on where I spoke to him and you did the review. Uh, so why don't you tell us about what you thought of it first? Oh, okay, so um, I when I first heard it, I was pretty indifferent, in all honesty. Like, I've, like, we should I, explain Daniel Avery is like a techno. Yeah, he's like a techno auteur is the word getting used by him. He's a, he's a very like, quite a shy guy, but his last... His last album 
2013's Drone Logic. Drone Logic, yeah, is very much like the quintessential techno album, at least like modular techno album. Um, it's fairly like front to end dance floor filler hits with acidic synths and massive drops and really interesting like tech house um, navigations. Um, whereas this one's a departure. It's well, there are one like two or three maybe that you can imagine being on the dance floor. There's a lot of like really rest- restrained tech house and even more um, very brooding gothic ambient. Um, and I like I once you get over the sort of, like the initial disappointment that it isn't just a consolidation of his banging techno. You you really begin to appreciate that there's there's a lot of texture here. There's a lot of lot to en- enjoy and appreciate um, for what it is. It's very interesting. It's like pseudo William Pazinski, pseudo Brian Eno. Um, um, when it goes, when it does go very dark, like in Diminuendo, like in Sensation, it does it very well. But there's, I think there's there's the, the as with a lot of dance albums, there's it's quite bloated. Um, some tracks definitely just fall flat from completely, and it just sounds like self indulgent ambient. Um, but when there's a good run of four or five tracks, like I'd say from Citizen Nowhere to Slow Fade is just like a really solid run of tracks, then you're talking about a very good album there. And I think if you just removed, especially the last few songs, and then you removed a few other in there, if it was a 10-track album, it would be brilliant. Yeah, I feel like we say this a lot about dance albums, and we will be in next week, next month. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and speaking to Daniel, it seems clear to me that the thing that he most wanted to... Um, get out with this album is the fact that techno is not all that he can do he can Mm. do many different modes of electronic music making and on the one hand while that has proven to be true it might have also brought the album down a little bit because of its its lack of cohesion and Mm. its bloatedness and his unwillingness to kill his darlings in the case of some of them I feel like which could have been cut but yeah as you say when it does hit that top gear Diminuendo being the perfect example of that, uh, it is absolutely massive. I, uh, and Diminuendo is cool because there's this bit in the middle where it kind of goes into a, a My Bloody Valentine-esque um, feedback section. And when I asked him about that, he said he wanted to um, to make a techno song that sounded like it was going down a black hole, which is cool. And I think he succeeded on that. And then when the drop comes back in after that bit, it's... it's yeah, it's that's... That, they, just the... the, the, con- like the the sonic contrast in that was spectacular because it almost feels like the song's fading out, and you're like, you're, it's like Avery's registering that your your mind's leaving. You're like losing interest as it's fading out, and then it just like snaps. And the drop, it's not a bass drop. It's like a, it's like claps. It's like human claps, yeah. and it's just, it works incredibly well. It's it's one of my favorite moments of yeah. music this year. I think. Yeah, that's an incredible moment, and it sits right at the center of the album. So I think he knows that is one of the best and it's interesting to hear him say he basically made it in 90 minutes of inspiration yeah yeah uh, that was that was cool to read um and but yeah there's definitely some songs that are very heavily indebted to uh selected ambient works by afx twin which i asked him about and he, he admitted it's one of his favorite albums of all time it's probably seeped into his psyche uh yeah i think it's a good album um i also found it interesting he said because he's doing a lot of like eight hour dj sets now he he wants to try and when he does those try and play all 14 tracks off the album at some point which would kind of tells you a lot about how much of a like a, a geek he is and how how hard he tries and sometimes i feel like maybe he should have left it a little bit more effortless on this album uh, that, and it might have served him better. And he said he's got a bunch of other tracks that he's still going to release as EPs and stuff, so we'll see how those turn out as well. But I hope... And also he said he's going to be doing a live show, or he's thinking about it, which would be worth seeing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, um, especially since we missed his eight-hour show. Yeah. I would definitely really to, re- to catch up on that. Yeah, so... And hopefully he'll bring out more new music soon. Because I think if he did more consistently music he wouldn't feel like he had to jam as many ideas into his one album every five years yeah well anyway only time will tell but anyway song for alpha by daniel avery
Greater Points by Grouper, Liz Harris. Uh, first than three, three years? Yeah. Well, Ruins was 2015. Yeah. No, 14, I think. Was it? Yeah, 14, Jesus. for sure. Um, and, yeah, which I, I... It must be tough to be, if Grouper is, like, your favourite artist ever, for her to put out amazing albums, but only once every four years. And this one, Greater Points barely even an album at 22 minutes yeah. um and seven tracks but if you liked ruins are you a big group of fan have you followed her for long i find it weird because like her first few albums i i always associated with what i'd put on his reading music and it's it's weird because despite as as chilled as it is it's not really reading music it's not music you should really read to because it is so dense and texture yeah, and exactly. so emotive inside it even though it sounds lovely yeah and which is why obviously i read to it yeah it's not something built for that purpose or remotely built for this it, but it's something that you should be paying attention to yeah. like it's a classical symphony yeah. or that is and so i've met i i think it's as a construction it's gorgeous yeah. and as an emotional facilitator as emotional provocator it, it works incredibly well because it's that that thing where there's a lot of the time you can't even hear what she's singing about no but it's it just hits you square on it's incredibly incisive it's surgical yeah and it just cuts you open yeah it's like um, she doesn't even need the words sometimes and no. um, it's, it's almost just like the the abstraction in her vocals is what does the trick along with the really obviously a really condensed guitar playing as if it's like it's it's being played through a funnel yeah or something and it just works really well yeah um this one i think i'm is i'm not as big on as 20 the one from 2014 yeah but i don't think it's that there were moments on that where i just it's it really like you just I, i'd be like cleaning my room or cooking or something and i'd just like stop and like stare at the cupboard or something yeah. where it was what was planning and yeah, yeah, well, yeah well, ruins definitely had that kind of power yeah, yeah i have a strange history with grouper probably similar with you because her, all her early albums are very droney guitar music and as you said it's like easy to to just zone out and do something else to it so that it never captured me i never really focused on it but then once you do focus on it as you said and like notice all these layers and the depth of it and the emotion at the core of it then it's really engulfing but just as i finally got into Grouper's old sound she brought out Ruins in 2014 which just transposed her sound to a, a like a piano so it's basically just her on piano playing these very tender uh, delicate ballads uh, sometimes with singing sometimes without on Ruins there was even like the sound of the, the the rain hitting the roof in the background and stuff which just made it so deep and, and, and textural um, Critter Points basically follows the same kind of outliners as ruins where it's just her and a piano in a secluded space the fact that it's only 22 minutes she said is because she got seriously ill while she was in the middle of recording it and then when she got well again she just decided that what she had was perfect <laughs> so uh, and yeah it's 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 spellbinding you just wish that it was longer mm. songs like parking lot which was the lead single i don't think a song about a car park has ever uh, there's never been a more beautiful or compelling song about a car park of all time uh birthday song is another beauty they she did print the lyrics on of, for that one in particular on the inside of the cd i got sent the cd and i don't know why she chose that one but it's interesting to actually read her lyrics when you can because they are just as poetic and you know ungraspable as yeah. you expect um so i don't know what it is about her how she manages with her voice and her particular choice of keys to convey this deep set emotion that she has within her but there's something about grouper that is really so magnetic and spellbinding and even a, on a short release like grid of points it's it's worth investing your time just listen to it twice in a row and then you get the length of a normal album and and you because of its kind of shapelessness and lack of any like mooring points in terms of words you it would just feel like a a, a one single album even though you're listening to the same thing twice i don't know if that would work, but that, I think that would work. Uh, so yeah, grid of points. Anything else to say? Uh, no, really. It's, de it's definitely worth listening to. Yeah, I hope she brings us something else soon, though. Yeah, yeah. Please, Liz. We love you. Thank you.
next we have Maul and Lord George, George not which Lord. is apparently they they are Danish, and I think that's the word for Earth, hmm. uh, which says a lot about the inspirations for George by Maul, who are a they call them a black shoegaze band, but it's basically just black metal, which basically just sounds quite a lot like Deaf Heaven, but. Yeah. Uh, whereas Deaf Heaven have a lot of moments of kind of seclusion, especially in the album that's coming up, uh, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love, but they have a lot of moments of kind of subdued interludes, whereas George by Mole basically is thunderous from beginning to end, more or less, and just is it's like a tidal wave of, of undulating guitars, and it's thrilling, and it's really, really fun to listen to. It is like a, a, a rush of of just energy as you listen to it and although a lot of people associate kind of anger with loud and screaming metal music i don't get anger at all from when i listen to jord i I listen i hear i get like euphoria and a connection with nature and a life-affirming kind of feeling and even though i i don't know what they're singing about even if i got the words they would still be in a different language that actually i think some of them are sung in english but there are still like hooks in there like even Deaf Heaven, their kind of hooks are, are more with the guitar, whereas with George, like there's actual vocal hooks that are in there. They are kind of, if they could be like a pop song hidden within, wrapped around, wrapped in a black metal song, they've probably created it with some of the songs they have on here. Uh, have you listened to it much? I've listened to it once. Uh, I got to listen to it last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's the Deaf Heaven comparison definitely stones up and I, and, but I guess like with the thing with shoegaze obviously the black metal but I guess with these sorts of acts they do because they they do go for that real like feedback distortion sound to complement the the riffs and the screaming and it's, it's and the, the, there is that implement coming in and I think it's really really quite pretty the, the melody and everything in, involved um so obviously the the whole oh it's so you know the the distance that it's so beautiful and so heavy at the same time is something that Deaf Heaven have been perfecting for beers now and there's something that there's quite a few images like Ghost Bath and artists like that um, and it's it's excellent yeah I'm quite dense about metal so I'm not going to try and feign um, expertise and I appreciate for what it is and I, I do actively enjoy it but it's not something I'll return to recurrently that's just my facet of taste but from for what it does in both um, in concept and in execution it does remarkably well it is an incredibly accomplished album in that regard yes awesome I am similarly kind of not as well read or as well listened in metal as I should be if I'm going to be talking about it on a podcast but i will defer to andy johnston who is our kind of metal guide on the 405 and he reviewed this album he brought it to my attention in the first place and yeah he's, just, our, he's our everything guy in the 405 really isn't he? yeah uh <laughs> yeah he, he has his fingers in many pies somehow omnivorous as I yes uh though he doesn't like cardi b or cali itches oh. um well, I take back all uh, positive things I've said about it. But anyway, read his review on the 405 because he kind of, just reading it gives you a sense of the excitement and the rush you get from listening to it as well. So you can tell that, you know, something really fun has inspired what he's written in his review. So I think you get a real sense of, even if if, if metal doesn't sound like that much of a, a, a fun to you, why you should give it a try check out Andy's review and if you want to just search for Mole it's M O with a slash through it is there a light a word for that Danish M Danish O and L uh, and the album is George J-O-R-D but it's actually really hard to find on Spotify it is there though so you know keep scrolling through all the different artists name M-O-L and you will find the right one
moving on, we have Cardi B and Invasion of Privacy. Yeah, uh, a much-hyped debut album from Cardi B, who's, what, one of the breakout successes of last year. Yeah, like Bodak Yell. Yeah, Bodak Yellow being voted Song of the Year in many different places. Mm. Uh, how did you feel about Bodak Yellow last year? Um, it's something that, like, well, it came out basically the week I was I was banned from listening to music in my day job. Oh, no. um, so that, and I, I had this tradition of, at my office... I'd always do like the you know like was it hip hop gold or the 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 Spotify top fifty hip hop tracks I'd listen to every Friday, and then it came out when I stopped listening. So I only caught up through through podcasts, actually through the New York Times podcast, um, and then like I liked it, but I didn't see what all the hype was, and this was entirely because I was listening to it through the tinny speakers of my older laptop, which didn't really provide the like the experience it's, it's, it's been a massive grower for me as a track like just that it's her flow is just so like bombastic yeah but never misses a beat it's just inc- it's just incredible like how much gravitas it holds but it's also incredibly elegant and graceful and like, her lyrics are the, 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 uh, okay, it's not Ken. It's not like Kendrick's like um, social commentary, but it's not what aspiration is to be in terms of just like shouting out haters and one-liners about like bigging herself up. There's yeah. very there's very few artists that spring to mind as being that witty or that like clever with an image or anything. It's yeah. just it's very sharp. And then this is something she's sustained for. The entire album. Like, I yeah. think Bodak Yellow is probably a fairly average track in the the run of the album. It's, yeah. it's a it's a great it's a great track. But beside things like um, I like it and um, or, even, or Barty or Cardi. Or, yeah, like, and even the opening track. Up, yeah, Get Up Ten. Ten. It's yeah. really inspirational kind of song. Yeah, the thing that resounds from this album for me when I listen to it is, as you say, it's like that. It's like that self self. Uh, love that that self confidence, but it's not braggadocious, no. or not like overly so. Like you feel like this is a real person saying these things. Mm. But anyway, yeah, it's really fun. Um, what is the difference for a layman between Cardi B and uh, Nicki Minaj? Well, I think Nicki Minaj is also great, but I, I think that I just think the lyricism is sharper, and I think there's more heft to her flow. I also think it's more u- there's more utility to it as well. Yeah. Like Nikki, Nikki can do like a fairly sort of basic. Like she does it really well, but she doesn't alternate much. It's a fairly basic rat tat tat tat. Whereas Cardi can go from really languid and lethargic to just belting them out like um, a liner, a liner every two seconds or something. Um, and I don't, I don't think we need to necessarily like divide them up as the two biggest female rappers in the world at the moment. No, I, d- I didn't think about it that way. It's just because they're both very strong women who mm. have a persona and in their music, they kind of take on another persona, different personas. And yeah, I guess they are like the two biggest female rappers in the world as well. But that's, yeah, I don't know. For, I'm, a late, I'm a white guy who doesn't listen to that much <laughs> hip hop. So I needed it explaining to me. Uh, but thank you for that. Yeah. But, but, no, no but I, th- I think that I, I wouldn't say there's like a coherent, be beyond like the self love thing. There's no like here on the strand of it. But as as a performance piece of like Cardi's talent, I think this is a very good Yeah. Demonstration uh, of it. And the host of guests you've got as well is basically a, a murderer's row of who are the best rappers or most talked about rappers in the world yeah. right now, from Ch- Chance the Rapper to Twenty One Savage, YG Migos like and then Kehlani. Surprising she hasn't got that many uh females like scissors on there as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, worth it. why is it called invasion of privacy? I don't know. I don't know if there there's much of a thing to it. Maybe like, and maybe because well, I think she's she is struggling with fame. Yeah. Like she's tweeted about like um how having all the paparazzi and everything has really affected her mental health. Like it's like, I mean, she's like suffered a lot of anxiety and depression is from all the success and she like she talks about how having so much access to money is like scares her yeah. because she she of like her 
rags to riches story is well publicised. We're not going to go over it again here. But they, but I, I, I think we can often overstate, like because there's so many, like really mediocre trite films and stories about people who make one at, like a hit single and then just like, you know that the the decline and fall where they just take to money and they just they just use money very easily. And she's obviously like. She's also really excited by how much she has now, but it's also overwhelming, and she doesn't really like the whole thing about what she has a million in her bank account. What does that actually mean? Mm. Like it's it's because it, obviously it's fiat money. It doesn't it doesn't yeah. it's not something she has in her hand. It's something that's just been transferred. It's a very it must be like a very obviously you know like you could say world's smallest violin, but it, it it does have an impact in terms of how you think about things, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a really interesting subtext, and I think. I'm curious to see where she goes from here. Now she has this, but what will her next record look like? Yeah. I'm fascinated by what comes next. Do you think she's the kind of person who will put out another record like Nicki Minaj? If we just continue with that comparison, she puts out a record almost every year or every two years max. Yeah, um, I think so. She seems pretty prolific. Like yeah. she's still releasing like singles, and she's doing a lot of like guest verses and stuff. So I'm quite yeah. curious to see what happens next. All right, so Cardi B. Invasion of privacy. Melly, your bitch in a slump. Your bitch want party with Cardi. Cardi a body in a Rari. Diamonds all over my body. Shining all over my body. Cardi got your bitch on Molly. Bitch, you ain't gang, you lame. Billy truck laying the lane. Blow out the brain. I go insane, insane. I drop a check on the chain. Fuck up a check in the flame. Cardi took your man, you upset. Uh. Cardi got rich, they upset. Yeah. Cardi put the pussy on offset. Cardi and Cardi be brain on offset. Cardi took your man, you upset. Uh. Cardi got rich, they upset. Yeah. Cardi put the pussy on offset. Cardi and Cardi be brain on offset. And now we get to our top three. So number three, we have rival consoles with Persona. Yeah, which is uh, I was I think rival consoles. I can't remember the guy's name. He's a producer from South London. Uh, he's been around for a while. He puts out his albums on a raised tape, which is home to the, like Nils Fram and Oliver Arnolds and people like that. But he is n- not so much like them in that they are very peaceful and and melodic and ideal for kind of sleeping to whereas rival consoles makes more thumping like bristling uh electronic productions especially on persona where he's gone full techno on some of the tracks and this is actually a kind of a concept album from him he wanted it even though there's no lyrics on it he he wanted it to kind of um just go into the idea of of a persona and and kind of um explore that idea through techno Mm. uh i don't know if he if he's that successful in that but he's very successful in making a really great and engrossing electronic thumping techno album wouldn't you say yeah 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 definitely like um i i'm being truthful i hadn't heard of him until you recommended it listen to it and then i listened to it when i came back from work up about a week and a half ago and it just blew me away that I'd like stuck it on repeat for about three times. Um I think you you you're you're right. Um it might may not be entirely successful in that ridiculously ambitious concept. Yeah. But having said that, whenever you put out a techno album and you want people to take it seriously as an album rather than a collection of songs, you might want to just make up kind of a, a through line to it so people do kind of yeah, see it yeah. as that way. And I will say, I think we were saying that like it's a more, it's almost a more successful version of the Daniel Avery one, and that yeah. there is definitely a coherent through line. Yeah, and that it, it, each song like fades into each other really well and even if like the actual theme doesn't emerge naturally through the track listing like the sequencing is very effective yeah exactly um and i and i just from a musical standpoint like it's just really each song even if it is the track list the sequencing is effective each song is very singular and interesting and very powerful yeah at times as well like even even some of the more basic songs like sun's abandon actually has a fairly sort of standard peak trough techno dynamic but it's so utilitarian in what it does and that so when the drop actually happens it's tremendously powerful even though you can see it coming which i guess is what because the vast majority of techno is drop centric yeah you you a good techno song does that and that it, it subverts you and it's, it's quite quietly subversive like it's, it's using a lot of the basic proponents of techno 
but it's doing it in a very interesting and dynamic way, I guess. Yeah, it feels like a much more alive and, and tactile kind of mm. album than than a lot of techno albums, especially comparing it to Daniel Avery. Like this, this feels like one long piece that's been chopped up into twelve parts. It, like every song sounds like it's come from the same producer, the same kind of session. Whereas the Daniel Avery album sounds like it was kind of pieced together over five years from lots of different parts. Uh, yeah, and Persona rival consoles has, has has created this obviously with the idea of making an album in mind and the experience for the listener being you know from track one unfolding to track 12 fragment to go through a kind of album uh, it's it is very much a soundscape of peaks and troughs and 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 i don't know i want to say things like foliage it feels like it's there's a lot of texture to it that you can touch and feel and 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 you can get inside the the beats on this album which isn't something you can do with every kind of techno album so yeah i think persona is a very accomplished and strangely overlooked Mm. album i don't know why he hasn't really made an impact that's all about to change now he's number three on my list when you say absolutely but yeah, I think that this is this is in a, like a breakthrough in the same way. Like obviously, he's made quite a few records before this. Yeah. But I feel like this feels because the like, UPL menace, and I've seen more and more people mention it on Twitter than like it's not that thing you know where you until you actually you yourself notice something, then you start to notice it more and more, and that you've just naturally overlooked. But like, more, or it's just been a circumstance by two weeks when I first heard it. More and more people have. Yeah. been talking about it too but it feels like I don't know like a similar thing with Eamon Dunes or or like um, with Cole Super last year where there was just even they'd been making music for a while that uh, this is like their, yeah. their breakthrough yeah even um, like Mitski yeah like she has four albums or three albums before Puberty 2 which is where I first heard of her anyway that's just a, in my mind because Mitski released a new song today yeah. which is exciting terrific new song Anyway, that's number three, Persona Rival Consoles. Excellent. Have a listen. two we have halfway with lavender yeah who's another person who's been putting out music for a while uh she came onto my radar when she reached the release form slash a ep last year and also she was the touring guitarist of um pine grove yeah uh, yeah she was which yeah. is quite random because her music doesn't sound anything like pine grove uh lavender is a new album which is very evocative and emotional and it starts with a track about her grandmother uh which was and the way she sets the scene of her grandmother who's deaf just kind of in the garden with incense burning oh it is incense burning she has a lot of these images her grandmother in the garden unable to hear the cardinal singing above her i always wondered if that cardinal is a reference to the pine grove album cardinal but anyway uh yeah that lavender burning in the air like she's she takes you into these very experiential kind of uh personal um moments by talking about all the different senses she's feeling like uh, there's a lot of movement chase mcmullen did a great interview with her all about how this album is about stasis and movement and how uh, about change when you're not ready and uh there's a couple of songs about her grandmother as i said lavender burning the first song and also the later song leveler is also about losing her grandmother and then there's tracks like torches which are kind of like anti-trump songs kind of protest songs a lot of it's centered around piano sounds quite tori amosy but then other songs like keep it out which is one of my favorite songs of the year is this big like grandiose Mm. synth song with one of one of the most daring and kind of bold strengthening choruses of the year uh and i I love that lavender has these kind of two two halves the harder kind of bolder side and the more it's kind of like a dime bar wait armadillo do you remember those smooth on the outside country inside the dimes now but yeah like it seems smooth on the outside it's called lavender it has a very soft 
uh, cover has lots of piano songs, but then there are these gritty moments like Keep It Out and Solid to Void uh, that kind of just show that Nandy Plunkett, which is her real name, is is kind of growing and taking control of her own life now. She's not a touring member of Pine Grove. She's halfway. She's her own artist. She's like, I feel like this is her coming out kind of in a way. What do you think? Yeah, 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 definitely. I think there was it was a, there was that album in 2016 she had, which was it was good. Like it was, but it was in a way it was fairly uh, like run of the mill folk synth folk. Yeah. Styles. I heard it's that. Like this, this is a lot more. It is a big step up. Um, yeah. In terms of the the quality of the songwriting and in the ambition of the concept, um, and I think I guess like a way that I was just thinking of there is that it's reminds me a bit of like it's like a pop grouper. Mm, yeah, I can and definitely that, hear that, that because there's there's so much layering there. Yeah. And there's so much to do about the impact of sound. Yeah. But it's all it's the impact of sound within occasionally quite with choruses. Yeah. Within like within pop popish melodies. Yeah. And everything that. So it, it's it's that that sort of I guess you could yeah, if you, if you want to be that reductive, you could say it's the best of both worlds. Yeah. And that you do have all the, the catchy melodies and harmonies and everything that. But you also have this incredible like layering and all these these ideas underneath it, which I guess, I guess another comparison you can make is like Zola Jesus. If it, yeah. It's nowhere near as rugged or as j- like jagged as Zola Jesus, but it's that, that version of that. There's the emotionality and the, the, the texture underneath. Yeah. It also else. reminds me of Fiona Apple a little yes. bit. It's yeah, like yeah. if Fiona Apple tried to make a Zola Jesus album, you'd end up with Half Wave. <laughs> to use one of those lazy if x and y had a baby things yeah. but i don't know that's i feel like that's where we, think, we came to yeah so lavender by halfway definitely worth checking out yeah go for it i get quiet in the times when you're gone there's a life going on but it doesn't feel Last up, we have Kali Ukis and Isolation. See, is it Ukis or Uchis? Because I always, say, I always say Ukis, but on the co- album a couple times they say Uchis. Anyway. Yeah, was it Miami, which is Kali Uchis. Yeah. Anyway, she's a Colombian-American yep. pop star who came onto my radar last year when she did a track on Gorilla's album. Uh, yeah, what's that? Humans, that's 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 uh, which I thought was okay. Kind of along with the rest of the album, kind of blended into one melange of stuff. But when I saw Gorillas at Dreamland last year, they brought her out and she stole the show. She was amazing. I was like, well, got to keep an eye out for her. So when she announced her album, and it, and just looking at the track list and seeing features as diverse as Steve Lacey, who's like a kind of lo-fi indie guy, to Georgia Smith, who's one of the up-and-coming British singers to Tyler the Creator who's obviously a well-established hip-hop superstar you got the feeling that this was going to be a pretty special album not just your run-of-the-mill pop album and I think that's what she's delivered with Isolation yeah. uh, you fell in love with it pretty quickly didn't yeah you? um I was it was a but I listened to it when I was on holiday and I just had it on in the background um for the first time and I was just blown away because every song sounded different but yeah just fitted so well into the aesthetic they're going for this is always it's almost like it's almost like a like a fun r&b lana del rey vibe and that yeah. sort of gothic it's almost like the, obviously the song of miami but you get the impression it's like it's like a la, la, latin r&b version of americana and that it's it's not as like it's not as like full middle class as lana del rey it's more that you can see it's like this the properly blue collar verve and vivacity to it but it is an American an all-american album with yeah. all the all the different cultures and the pan pan continental stuff filtering in and there's like there's so many songs in different miami sounds like that that gothic that gothic art then you have like um yeah. in my dreams which is features 
Um, Damon Albarn doing a ret- oh really? Damon Albarn produces that one. Yeah, is um, is that that's the um, TV and the radio style one? Uh, yeah, it? yeah, maybe. And then, it definitely sounds yeah, like Damon. Feel like a fool, which is a really sort of it's almost like a like a jazz um, crooner style yeah. song, and then you've got some where she just straights up up raps like dead to me. And it's, like every song sounds different, and it, but they yeah. all they're all excellent. They're all excellent singles. Yeah, exactly. And, and they just they just flow together so seamlessly. I think it's a ter- it's stunning. Yeah, like the first big chorus on the album, the one that made me go, oh, "Wait a second, this is a fucking jam." Is just a stranger with Steve Lacey with the chorus of, "She want my hundred dollar bill, she don't want nothing," and it's just this stupid big summary jam chorus that just. I don't know, it works so well, but then at the same time she can uh, do something uh, really soft-spoken and, and uh, like you said, feel like a fool is, is, a, is like a winsome pop-like uh, ode. And then um, and then she can go toe-to-toe with someone like Georgia Smith on Tyrant. Uh, and Georgia Smith, who has one of the most, you know, amazing voices currently working and next to her she still sounds amazing your teeth in my neck which is like this really funky i don't know how you would describe it it sounds like future pop soul kind of way it's got a really cool very well produced we should look up the list of producers for this because every song is like really vibrant and bright and hangs together really well um tyler the creator comes on and does an amazing verse uh like I just think that every it's it's incredible how well it all hangs together. She does a lot of like pop tropes of like little interludes and um, and scenes, or like uh, Flight Twenty Two starts with a UNL on board X Y Z Airlines or whatever. It sounds like a Venga Boys kind of intro, yeah. but then turns into a really amazing pop song. Uh, I think the song. Uh, after the storm with Tyler the Creator, I think that's the one that has kind of a, a RuPaul intro. I don't know if it's actually RuPaul, but it sounds just like her. Uh, and it's just a really fun album. Uh, she really delivered what is potentially the album of the summer. I like. I put this album on so many times, and there really isn't a dud on it. No, um, that's what's most impressive. At fifteen tracks, and they yeah. also we we've we've already gone on about like the, the issue of bloating, and we'll go about the issue of bloating the next one. And I reckon we'll go on about it loads of times because it does dilute an album. Yeah, but all fifteen songs of these, even if the, some of them are fairly short, like less than two minutes, but they all they're all terrific. They're all like, yeah. like they all adds value to it rather than like well. Decrease value. Yeah. If you want to use to maintain the, it's one of those where looking at the track list, I can conjure to mind some of the tracks and some of them I can't. But then when I put them on, I'll be able to sing along with every single one. Like every single one has a winning chorus, has yeah. some kind of hook to it that will keep you coming back. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see just how big she gets. Like she's kind of aligned herself. She's made an album that has the potential for mainstream success, but but just judging basically off the people that she's worked with on the album, she's kind of aligning herself with a more indie crowd. So yeah, I think Lana Del Rey is a fair comparison in that kind of way, but I think she's way more fun than Lana. Um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely. But I also think, but this one, I reckon this is like, I guess we could say the Arch Android. Yeah. Where, where she is making these indie waves, but she's so talented and she has so much like, there's so much like pop, global like mega star appeal there that I there's a really good chance that our second album could be her yeah. proper breakthrough especially because she does look the part as well like uh, she looks like a pop star um, and she's got that kind of Colombian sass that kind of different kind of spin on her different original kind of sound and I, I like how she incorporates a lot of like Latin or Southern American kind of influences mm. to the album as well yeah uh, which is another cool thing yeah. so that is why Isolation by Caliuchis is our number one for April Thank you for listening. Yeah, I mean, I mean, admittedly, it wasn't the strongest month for 
for new reviews, but I think no, I think it's a I think it's a strong top three though. A very strong top three, especially the number one. I yeah. think is really strong. Yeah. Uh, well, how, so how would you would you say it's the weakest of the? I yeah, think it's definitely the weakest month. You think it's so weaker far. than January? Yeah, because we had Jeff Rose and stuff we in did. January and Nils From, which yeah. I've both been listening to late. Yeah, true. Uh, but May is coming along, and May is going to be a <laughs> troublesome one. Like, there's others like I have three albums in there that. It could easily be in my top five of the year. Yeah. Well, well, we'll argue about that next time. Yeah. Uh, for now, I've been Rob. You can find me at Temporaryism on Twitter, at Rob Hack on Instagram. I'm going to start pro- plugging oh, my that's Instagram. It, that's cool. Easier yeah. to find Rob Hack than yeah, Temporaryism. Yeah, that's so. true. Uh, I'm, I'm Kieran. I'm at No Not That Devlin on Twitter and Displaced Scotsman on Instagram. Which I think is a, m- a much better Twitter handle than No Not That Devlin. I'm going to yeah. see if Display Scotsman is taken. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll see you probably in after, after we come back from Primavera. We'll yeah. probably do it. We'll, we'll be Shit. exhausted. We'll have lots to talk about. Yeah, there. yeah. We'll be there in less than two weeks. Well, but just over two weeks now. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's huge. Huge. Well, uh, have a, have a have a good one, folks. We'll speak to you soon. Bye.